Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today on the pod, I'm super excited to introduce our next guest. He is a two-time junior world champion, the 2016 U.S. national champion, a two-time U.S. silver medalist, Olympian, Dancing with the Stars champion, and media personality, Adam Rippon. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) Paulina, thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you on the show today. My actually, honor, actually, if we have to be honest, it's my honor to be on here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so 2010 was actually my first nationals, which is where I first saw you skate and where I first met you, which you definitely don't remember. But I remember my mom telling me to watch you during the men's event, specifically because you were so young and talented. And of course, I had to get an autograph after and get a picture with you. So I have that amazing photo. We'll be sharing that on Instagram. I re- actually think I've seen this photo. And I, I, um, because you actually, you're quite young yourself, but, um, when I was like, there's some photos that I have of us when I'm also young, but you are very young and I have them. And I think that they're so funny now to see them. I know. I've seen so many photos of us from random shows Yes. after that Nationals, where I was still probably like a junior, um, but we'd both be in like sparkly outfits in photos together and stuff yes. like that. Yes, we'd be in matching costumes <laughs> at a show, and I was older than you, but I was still a child, and you were actually a baby infant still covered in like birth fluid, but in a dress. So good. But yeah, that was a really fun time for me because I was exploring the skating world in a real sense rather than just watching it on TV and meeting so many different skaters. I think from that time, I literally have fan photos with Mirai, with Jeremy Abbott, with Brian Boitano and Scott Hamilton. It was like my first time meeting all of them and I was so starstruck. So it's so crazy. But only four years later, I was finally on the same level as you guys. And it was really great to have everybody take me in as an equal. And it was always really fun traveling to competitions together. Yeah. I mean, not even an equal. I mean, you were kind of like a superior because you went to the Olympics. But I remember the first time, because I think the year you went to the Olympics was your first year senior, I think, right? It was. It was my first senior international. Um, And you said, Uh uh-uh, put me on that team because I'm going to do the tango in a yellow dress in Russia. And you were right. That's what you did. I did. I cha-cha'd. Cha-cha'd. Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I love it. I know. Uh, I had a lot of, 
lot of fire in me at that time. I, some would, I dare to say you still have the same fire. Oh, thank you. It is still burning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like an incense. Mm -hmm. Passion never dies. No, it doesn't. Well, let's talk a little bit about your skating journey. So you made it to the Olympics nine years after you first turned senior. Mm -hmm. You were super close in 2014, but no cigar. What was the journey for you mentally leading up to the 2018 Nationals? Okay, that is true. There were no cigars. Um, but so I would say in 2010, I was, I, I, so okay. In 2014, I was super close as I think of a really generous term. And I'm going to go on the record and say, thank you for making it so generous because I, um, was, I think eighth at that U S championships. Um, and we were unfortunately not sending a team of eight to the Olympics that year in the men's category. But, but yes. the year or two before, you were doing really well, both nationally and, and internationally. Okay, that's actually a fair point. So, so you, were in, you were going in as somebody looked at for the team. It yes. wasn't like you were way behind before it started. Okay, you caught me. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I had a good Grand Prix season that year. Um, I think I even like l- like stood up on a quad that was like fully rotated. Um, and if we look back at my career, we would know that that didn't happen very often, if at all, maybe two other times. So, so amazing. still actually incredible that in my whole career, I did less quads than a Russian woman will do in one program. But... Some Russian women. Thank you. Thank you. And some. <laughs> some. <laughs> um, so yeah, in 2014, um, I think because in skating, we um, see people who are really young and have a lot of success and we want to follow in their footsteps. And I think like um, when you see people who go to the Olympics in their first year senior, like you did, and when you see people who have not been senior for many years also go to the Olympics, like Jason Brown, um, then you look around and you realize like, okay, I'm 24 and I haven't done that. And it was the first time like in my skating career where I was like, oh, I think that this is something that might not happen because I think um, for the majority and the 99.999% of us, there's like a moment in time where we, where we realize that like maybe being a world champion is like, we should reshift the goal. And then maybe being an Olympic champion is like, let's shift that goal because you know, it just, it, it, you know, being the best in winning is it's all relative to like, you know, what's happening. Who is your, like, it's so many things. Right. So I had like shifted a few of those goals of like what I felt was realistic, what was like reaching for the stars, all of that stuff. And um, this was the first time where I was like, okay, this is, this might be something that might not happen. So what should I do next? And I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I felt like, I felt like I'd wasted my time a little bit. I felt like maybe I had like wasted my coaches and my, you know, my whole, my parents' time. Um, because I think for so many people, you think like it has to be the Olympics or it wasn't worth it. Um, and that's where, that's what I honestly felt at that point was that like uh, everything I had done, nothing was worth it. So I 
kept skating and kept like training because that's what I was doing. And I didn't know if I should stop or not. So I just kind of kept going through the motions of it. Um, with that attitude, you might be surprised that my Grand Prix season that year was actually bad. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, okay, this is just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm in my flop era. Mm-hmm. And I got to this moment where I said, okay, I'm going to get ready for nationals. And it was like 2015 nationals. And I said, I'm going to get ready. And I'm not, I'm like going to just do everything I absolutely can so that it's like the best, best, best I can be. I don't care what the result is. I don't care about anything. I don't care if I skate my best and I get 10th. I don't care if I fall on everything. The only thing I know is like, I'm going to give a hundred percent to everything. I'm not going to care about anything else. And this was like about seven or eight weeks before nationals. And so I started working out like crazy. I started skating more hours and like, I started to really enjoy it more because I wasn't worried or thinking I was going to let people down or like let myself down. And so I get to nationals and I have a like, pretty strong short program. It felt like really good. Um, I think I like stepped out of a quad Lutz, but I landed a triple axle and I landed like a triple triple. And I was like, I'm amazing. And then, you know, like at the end of the day, of course, like, you know, it's like the quad Lutz has to be out of steps. Imagine I did zero steps before it. And, um, you know, like a few like other like little things where I'd like, it didn't get a level on a spin and everything. And this, I think this year it was like, um, the top three after the short, if I remember correctly, I ended up fifth. And I think it was like Josh Ferris, who is like, has that probably iconic short program that like, if you watch skating, it's like one of everyone's favorite programs. Um, it's the Ed Sheeran one that Jeff Buttle did. That's like a piece of magic. I remember that one. Give me love. Yeah. Yes. It was phenomenal um and you know jason who like jason could probably skate to like my text message dictated um like through google translate and it would still be incredible and like art and then jeremy abbott who's probably probably the only other skater in the world who could skate to my text message dictated by google translate so it was like i mean three of the best skaters to ever come out of the u.s and then it was and then uh, then i skated and they all were fantastic so i'm in fifth And I'm like, kind of sad because it was like, I, you know, what else? I don't know if there's anything more I can do. And so I sat down with myself and I was like, you know what? F it. Because I told myself it doesn't matter if I get fifth. And I said, tomorrow's a long program. If I skate amazing and I end up fifth, I'm still going to walk away and be really happy because I did my best. And if my best is fifth or my best is even, or if it's not fifth, it doesn't matter because that's not what I came here to do. Cause I was like, this is going to be my last competition. This is it. This is the last one. I'm not going to do this anymore because I just felt like I was putting so much pressure on myself. Um, and it was truly me putting it on myself, not other people. So I go, I skate the long program. I was, I had like a great skate and um, I get this score that is like the highest ever in us championship history at the time. And um, I'm like, oh my God, I might win. And uh, all of a sudden I was like, my whole like idea shifted. And I was like, 
okay, I mean, that's how you do it. Like you just focus on what you need to do. Like you focus on yourself. And so as the competition keeps going, it's like feeling, it's like closer and closer. It's like, oh my God, I might have like this great, like incredible like moment. And then um, uh, Jason uh, skates. Jason is fantastic. Um, and he ends up winning. And of course, like Jason is one of the nicest people in the entire world. And, um, you know, everyone's happy for him. But there's this moment where I'm like, I wish I could have, like, one, I skated so well. And then I thought, actually, I'm really still happy with how I did. And I'm actually really happy for Jason because I can only imagine the pressure that he was under to, like, win nationals after he had just gone to the Olympics and then, like, maintain that and then skate so well at nationals. And it was like, I can only imagine, I'm sure that was really hard and I'm actually really happy for him. And I'm also happy for me. And, I, and it was uh, one of the best moments, I think in my life to realize that like, when someone has success, it doesn't take away from my own success um, or the way that I feel about what I do because that's the only thing I can control. I can't control, you know, that maybe I can't do this better than someone or that like, maybe this doesn't get judged in the way that I want it to get judged. Um, the only thing I can control is how I feel. And so it was like in that moment where I was like, oh my God, these medals and these events that we go to, like, they don't really matter because like what really matters was like, I finally like cracked this code of, of like, when I put all of my attention into something is when I have the greatest experience from it. And so that was like a huge defining moment in my life was like, doing my best and not getting first and still feeling like I had like completely satisfied. And I think because of that in the next four years, I was able to have like, I think the best experiences of like my skating career. I just enjoyed it so much more. Definitely. It sounds like you were your own catalyst to boost you initially. And then having that realization gave you so much more as you went closer and closer to the next Olympic Games to 2018. And without that, mentally, it would have been a lot harder to keep training for those four years. Oh, totally. And I think like, I think, yes, I was my own catalyst, but it wasn't like by myself that I did that. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a lot of people that helped me and like so many people were like, just so kind to me. I even specifically remember, I think maybe it was maybe a year or two after the Olympics where maybe, I think we were at a competition together or it was a nationals or something. And your mom came over to me and was like, Nina, Nina came over to me and she's like, you can do it. Like, you're really good. She's like, just land your jumps. And I was like, oh, that's what I should have been doing. (laughs) But she was just so so nice. And so, so many people were just so kind to me. And it was like, I think at first I used to be like, oh my God, I'm disappointing these people. But then when I started to like think about it and focus in on myself, I was like, they're just, everybody was just trying to help me. And I, I really, really appreciated those words. And I re- I'll, I'll always remember your mom saying that to me. Just landed That's jump. so sweet. Love that. Oh, Nina. it was good advice. It was good advice. Just land the jump. She was actually onto something. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think she knows a little, a little bit about skating at this point. Yes. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think to touch on what you said, 
as a skater, as a competitor, it is so scary putting yourself out there at every competition and hoping that you do well, not only for yourself, but your whole team. And like you said, so many other people watching, you don't want to disappoint anyone because of the amount of time and effort that everybody puts in to you as an Mm -hmm. athlete. But at the end of the day, everybody understands how difficult it is. And that's, that goes for every coach that's out there, people who aren't specifically part of your team, but maybe come up to you and, you know, give you a little ounce of support. Everybody has their own athletes and experiences doing the exact same thing. And so really, like you were saying, when somebody does well, everybody acknowledges it and everybody is happy for them because they know exactly how difficult it is to do it when it counts. Yes. And it definitely becomes more real as you get older because you're so much more aware of what you're doing and you're more aware of what goes into it and you're more aware of the work other people are putting into you as well. Um, That like, you know, when you're young, I, I never liked when people said, oh, when you're young, you don't know what pressure is. Um, because when you're young, you know what pressure is. Like the most nervous I've ever been at a competition was like junior nationals. And when I was juvenile, like I remember thinking, I'm going to throw up. And I've never felt that amount of nerves in my life. Um, but so, you know what, you know what nerves feel like, but you know, like pressure is that, you know, that those nerves, but when you get older, you know what like expectation is. And in you've, yeah. you've sometimes had that success and it's that teetering and that feeling of like not wanting to let it go, but also going into it with the same sort of like, well, here goes nothing attitude that you have when you're younger. And it's, you know, that's, that's the balance of getting older. Totally. And as you get older and older and you've already been achieving some sort of success, like while you're younger, that kind of adds a little bit of an extra weight of expectation because of the past success, just Mm -hmm. like you were saying. So 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Well, your selection to the Olympic team in 2018 was a little controversial because you were in fourth. Mm -hmm. What was going through your head when the team was announced? And what do you have to say about the selection? I actually don't think that my selection was um, that scandalous because we have criteria set forth of how you're selected for an Olympic team. And I knew that my um, journey to the Olympics would be an uphill battle um, because it's heavily weighted on what you do the season before and the season of the Olympics. So two seasons before the Olympics, uh, it was the 2015, 2016 season where I was the US champion and then was the highest placing American at the world championships, I was sixth. Um, then, uh, that next season I did the Grand Prix series and I medaled at both my Grand Prix and I went to the Grand Prix final. And, um, this is an important fact of American history is, um, I'm actually the last American to ever beat Nathan Chen in an international competition. And that's actually tattooed on my back. Because I, (laughs) Um, of course, you know, uh, that was borrowed time. And then Nathan would never lose a competition to anyone shortly after. Um, (laughs) Knock on wood. Um, So, you know, I I did, I was, uh, went to the Grand Prix final. And then of course he like, he medaled at the Grand Prix final. And, you know, I, at that point I was like, okay, um, 
I know what I need to do to like be on that team. I need to be on the world team in 2017. And so we're getting ready for um, 2017 nationals. Um, and at this point I'm like, okay, I just, I want to be like that reliable person. That's always like, if Nathan's there, I'm that reliable, like good American. That's also with him. Um, get ready. It's like January 6th. I think we, you know, we probably leave in like a week or so. Um, I go to the rink. I'm like warming up. I break my foot. And so at this point, of course, like we're Fantastic. skaters. So we're good timing. Um, you know, as athletes and as skaters specifically, I think our minds don't work in the same way that like a normal person would, where you're like, my foot hurts. Like, Oh no, what happened? And I go, Oh no, I broke my foot. I'm going to be, um, lacking criteria for the Olympics. And everything after that was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to like, make sure that I, I give myself the best shot. Um, also because at this point, um, I had like, had this really heart to heart conversation with myself where I was like, if I don't ever go to the Olympics, it's actually okay. And it's fine because I've had millions millions. <laughs> I've had a lot of friends. <laughs> I have millions of friends, Paulina, and I don't care what you say. I have millions of them. Um, I have a lot of friends that have gone to the Olympics and have won or have medaled and they're still the same people. Mm -hmm. Like they, ha they haven't changed as people. It's just a, an event. And I, when I realized it was just an event, it was like, okay, it became less scary. Um, so I had come to terms with this like reality of like, if I don't go, I don't go. And if I do go, I do go. It's just a month like event that you go to. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know what? Let's do like this little game of seeing like how close I can get. And if I, and if I really can get there. Cause I was like, I, I think that I can, if I just like, just don't take myself too seriously. So right after that nationals, I obviously didn't go. I was in a cast. Um, I drove out to Colorado Springs and I like lived there for about six months. I did all of my rehab there. I got back on the ice there. Um, and I did that because I did not want to um, feel or ever be home or like at the rink where I like wasn't skating. And I never wanted to associate like my home rink with like, oh, I was hurt here. So I did all of that rehab in Colorado Springs really grateful everyone there was really great to me and really nice and um it was a, a really nice environment to be in because um you know it was just like you see the clock that says the olympics are in this many days and it was like i just felt like i never lost focus so mm -hmm. i get back i'm like all right let's get into high gear um obviously i need to change a few things around because of my foot injury like um you know, I can't do as many like toes. And that was like the quad that I had landed that season, uh, that season before. So it was like, I needed to really like reevaluate, like how I, was I going to do this? Um, so I said, you know what, let's just, we're going to give it our all. We're going to do our best. And um, I go into the Grand Prix season. I get second at both of my Grand Prix and I qualify for the final again. So I know that on the criteria, I've already done um, more than any other American aside from Nathan. And then going to the final, that was also part of the criteria. That was like a major point of the criteria. I was there and then under, and then I was the second American under Nathan. So I knew that like my criteria was like strong heading into nationals. And then at nationals, I had um, 
a really strong short program. Again, second right where I needed to be. And then in the free skate, um, I did all of like my harder elements. And by I did, I mean, I felt like this was my normal competition routine of like fall on quad, let's clean program after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, except I did land it. It was cheated. But like, if you don't look at the replay, it wasn't cheated, um, which the replay always gets you. And um, always. it's so tricky. Uh, so I, di- I landed, I like kind of landed it at NHK. It looks clean if you don't look at it. Just don't look at it. Um, just take if you word close one it. eye and then you squint the other eye a little bit. Even if you watch it in real time, Wink you're like, oh, when you land. Yeah, I was winking and yeah. at the at the judges. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have been really strong all season. I was strong in that short program and, and then free skate again. Like I fell in the quad lutz. I did all like two triple axles, two triple triples. And at this moment in my mind, I'm like, okay, just like make it through. You're like actually going to go to the Olympics. And I like have two jumps left. I have like a sow cow and a Lutz. And like I do the sow cow. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I just was like landed already. And I was like, I think I just did a single. And I was like, that is weird. And I went around and I like towed in for a Lutz. And I think if I towed in any softer, I would have fallen asleep. Um, (laughs) Where it was just like, you know, when you tap and your like whole leg just like crumbles underneath you. So I did a single Lutz, probably one inch off the ice and was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that happened. And I ended my program and it was like, you know what, if the reason I don't go to the Olympics is because of these two single jumps, it's like not, that just happens. Like that's, you Mm -hmm. know, that's the way that it went. It wasn't because I didn't try hard. It's not because like I didn't work hard enough. Like that's just life it's okay. And I got mm-hmm. into the kiss and cry. And that's what I was saying to like Raphael and everyone. Cause everyone was, they were really upset for me. They knew yeah. that like I'd worked hard. They weren't upset at me. Um, but then when I saw the results of the competition and I saw like where everybody ended up, um, I looked at the results and I looked at the criteria and I still with my bad result at nationals had the second best criteria. Like I had the strongest season at that point. It wasn't like my whole competition was bad either. Like I had a strong short program. So there was something to say about that. So, um, but you know, I think like in the past, um, I would say probably in 2014 and 2018, like there have been two examples of like me and probably Ashley Wagner where like criteria put us onto an Olympic team. Um, And I think that like at, at, at that point, you know, it it always sort of felt like, oh, nationals was when, like, we make this decision. Mm -hmm. And it was like, nothing mattered. And only thing mattered that what the only thing that mattered was nationals. But I think like, we're at a time now where it's like, they really look at like your body of work and like, what will you do? Um, Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I was like, I was nervous, because like, I didn't know what to expect. But I also knew that like, I felt like I was in strong standing to be on the team. Um, it took a little bit of time, but like at like 1230 that night, I got the famous text message that everybody posts on Instagram if they make an Olympic team, which is amazing. Um, so I was very Mm -hmm. grateful to be on the team. Um, and I do think that like my bad skates at, well, bad skates, I had my, my long program at nationals was this complete motivator to like be even better at Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it was like a refocus of like, just focus on you and don't ever break focus, which like you need as many reminders as you can get before you go to an Olympics. Because as you know, 
it is unlike any other sort of event you go to because it is a free-for-all. It's not even a competition. It is a circus. <laughs> Everything that you said really speaks to the way that Criteria now looks at reliability in a skater and an athlete, especially when you're sending one to that big of a competition. Um, mm. Because at the end of the day, everybody works so, so hard. And if you're not the most reliable or consistent, well, also, also like, the, how, how are we playing the game? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, that, mm-hmm. those are the rules of the game. And if the rules are the, of the game are like, um, you know, if you don't do, if you don't get in this placement at nationals, you're not going, you know, those are the rules. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's to know what you need to do and like what you need to get done. So, and, and that's, that's a thing where it's like, if you know the rules of the game are to have good criteria, that's what my whole focus was. That's yeah. why I made sure that I like I had I was like ready like a like for a like Olympic level ready at a Grand Prix, Olympic yeah. level ready at the next one, completely prepared for a final, and um, you know that's harder to do um, than like be you know try things out, see what works, and then like go to nationals and just like do it at nationals. Like it's a, it's Mm -hmm. a different mindset. I I don't mean that it's harder. It's different where you're Mm -hmm. like focus is one event and uh, these other events are like to lead up to that. And I think for skaters who like are on a, uh, who, who really need to prove themselves to make an Olympic team, like myself, um, your focus has to be so intense at every event you go to. I think like, not that, um, you know, Nathan isn't focused, but his focus is completely different. Where like, you know, he's gonna do what he needs to do and he'll most, and he will, I'm knocking on wood, um, he'll win. And the same thing with like Yuzuru Hanyu, like he will, he will win. Um, but like the, the focus isn't to be like the best you can ever be at Skate America. Like their focus mm-hmm. is that they go to Worlds and like they're going to be fighting for a gold medal. So like they're pacing for that event where it's right. like when you're trying to prove yourself, your pacing is like three weeks, next event, three weeks, next event. And so it's just, it's just a different mindset. So I was just playing by the rules, Paulina. Uh, you know no, me, I, I'm I a rule, rule player. You know me, I'm a rule breaker. But <laughs> Yes, I do. But I will say I had the exact same mindset as you the season leading up to the Olympics. I had the same like year before I was junior national champion, didn't make it onto the junior world team. And I came home and my immediate thought was I need to be absolutely on fire at every single competition I go to this summer, this junior grand prix season. I made the junior grand prix final. I was like right up there. So us figure skating, like couldn't ignore me. And that's why I went into nationals the way I did and they were willing to give me a shot. But if I had just been like, eh, right. like all over the place, like they wouldn't have given me a second look because. Or if you had just gone to nationals and like, that was, that, that was that, do you know what I mean? But it was like, you know, you, you had, you skated really well that whole season. And I tried to like really just show that like, Mm-hmm. In my own mind, I was like, there was nothing I could have done more in those last three seasons before. Like, I had really mm-hmm. good and consistent results. I had proven that, like, I was completely different athlete. So I felt like yeah. I, you know, I had done what I needed to do. Um, 
but you know, Olympics is a funny event. And, and I think if you go to a nationals, there's everybody who's there has worked hard enough to like go to an Olympics. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's so many people that are deserving. I just feel I was, I'm very grateful that I had the chance to go. Me too. Retweet. <laughs> same, same. Ditto. Like, like yeah. <laughs> Quote, tweet, <Ditto>. same. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the 2018 games, you got a lot of media attention and mm -hmm. yeah. What was it like being America's sweetheart? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, I, so um, it's interesting to talk about now because now um, I've gone to another Olympics and I have it, this, you know, I, I just came back from Tokyo uh, yesterday and having been at this other Olympics, I got to see from like an outsider's point of view of like what that bubble is really like because everyone is like, oh, you're in this Olympic bubble. Um, and it's very true. One, because like, even though we have access to like all sorts of information and whatever, so much of the content that's like put out that's Olympic related is blocked that we see, you know, it's blocked if you're out of the country. So even if I wasn't competing, I could see, oh, now I understand why I felt like, oh no, I'm still seeing things. But when I got home, realized that like, oh, I'd really been in this like bubble. So to be in it when I was uh, like, you know, in 2018 and being there, um, yes, there was a lot of like media attention that I got. And it wasn't something that I was trying to do. It wasn't my focus when I went there because my focus was to like skate well. Um, and but my, what I told myself, what I wanted was like, I wanted to have the best experience I could ever have at an Olympics. And, you know, I think you've probably listened to, and I've listened to, and there's probably a million other people who have listened to like people who talk about like their experience. And I remember like Tara Lipinski talking about how like she walked in the opening, she stayed in the village, she, you know, she did all of these things. And, and, and I remember other people saying like, take advantage of everything that you can. And I think in my experience, I realized that like part of what I want to get out of my Olympic experience is I want to take advantage of everything I can. I just want to like enjoy. I want to have fun with everyone. Um, I want to like laugh and joke around like how, you know, I love to do. I want to do that with everybody who's there. Um, and I just, I just want to have like the best experience I can have. Cause if I focus on myself, I'll be my best too. Um, and you know, the response I got to that was, um, at, at times intense, but I knew that like, I really enjoyed communicating and making people laugh and talking with people. Um, and so I knew that like, oh, I really like this, but I know that um, I won't have the chance to ever do this if I don't focus on what I'm here for. So mm -hmm. it was always constantly focused back to being at the Olympics for the reason that I was there. Um, and I would say that, you know, at, at times where it felt like a lot, I just reminded myself that the only thing that was telling me that anything was different was just my phone. And I remember looking at my phone being like, it's just this little box that has words on it. And so if you don't look at the little box, look around you and none of that is different. Everything is the same. Your skates are right there. Your costume's right here. And so I was like, 
just don't take this little box too seriously because it really doesn't, this little box is just that. It's just that little box. Focus on where you are and what you're doing. And um, that's what I did. So I just focused on like what I was doing rather than like, oh my God, all of this stuff around me is happening. Um, and I think that helped me so much because when I would do media things, I you know, wasn't trying to be something else. I was just being myself. And then when I was at the rink, I also wasn't like, oh my God, like, you know, Britney Spears is watching. Like it was the same. I was still at a competition and it was like, you know, there's, um, you know, Javi Fernandez and there's, um, you know, Coliata, like everything, everybody was still there. It was still the same thing. So I, it helped me to stay um, focused by not paying too much attention to it. Right. So what about after coming home? You seem to get a lot of really fun opportunities, things like Dancing with the Stars and other fun media things. How did those come about and what was your reaction to this new buzz post-Olympics? Uh, the post-Olympic buzz was um, one of the most wild times that I've ever like experienced. <laughs> um, I think one, for me specifically, it was interesting because um, one, I've always, like I said, I've always loved like talking with people. I've always loved making people laugh. And I've always wanted to do something like in comedy or in media, like things like that. I've always wanted to. I just never knew how I would like ever get started. Um, and after the Olympics, there were these like little opportunities to do things like that and get more involved in them. So I tried to take advantage of every single one of them. Because I'm sure you've gone through it yourself that when you're like, I'm done competing, what am I going to do next? <laughs> and it's this very weird feeling um, because I think there was a, a part of me where it's like, I'm great. I was grateful that like when I ended my long program at the Olympics, I knew like, I, I, this is a great place and time for me to like end my competition career because there, there wasn't really anything like I needed to prove to myself um, I felt like I was probably in the best shape that I would ever be in as a, you know, as an athlete. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to go back and, and, you know, redeem myself at another thing or whatever. Like I just, I skated three clean programs. I had done everything I wanted to do. There wasn't really anything I wanted to prove. And I felt like, okay, I can take a, I, it's time for me to take a step back. So even having that clarity, you know, when I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, where there's like lots of opportunities, it's like this mad dash to be like, let me try every single one and see what I like and see what I don't like. And so, yeah, there was like things that I did that were incredible and so much fun. Like Dancing with the Stars was so much fun. Um, and for so many Olympic athletes, it's something that they get to do after. So it felt like part of that Olympic experience. Um, but then there were things where it was like, I tried to do things where, you know, I didn't really love it. But so it was, it, it was a lot of like experimenting, but it was like nonstop, very busy. Um, and it was um, kind of scary because it was like, what, what's going to stick? Are, like, it, will I still get to do things like this? Um, and I was just like learning a lot about myself, like as, a, as an adult outside of the rink for the first time. 
So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH-balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree with that more, Lamar. After watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free 4-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout and get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it works for him, it can work for you too. So what types of things did you like that you hope to pursue in the future? Like what are your future career goals? Um, that's an amazing question, Paulina Evans, <laughs> resident of California. Um, Thank you. I think what, you are so welcome. I think um, I realized um, that I really love like entertainment and I really love entertaining people. And what I've learned is that like my whole life before, um, that skating was my outlet to entertain people. And when I enjoyed it the most, it was when I went out there and I loved the training. You know, I really loved training and working hard. But when I had my best performances at competitions, I always told myself, this is just a show. It's just a show. I'm not here to compete. Um, I'm just performing. Um, and when I got to do that, I enjoyed it. And then of course, like off of the ice at the competitions, I enjoyed too. I enjoyed like, you know, getting the chance to like prove a point to like a judge when I, you know, if I was like, what do I need to do? And I'd like be like, I, I want to make sure I'm impressing everybody so that I can, you know, get to what I want to do. Um, and I enjoyed talking with the coaches. I enjoyed like entertaining people like off the ice. Um, so I realized that it's that like in this entertainment world, it's very different because um, as an athlete, if you want to go to the Olympics, like if we both looked at each other and we were like, we're going to the Olympics in Milan, we would know every competition that we're going to do and mm -hmm. every event like we would want to do for the next five years. Like we would know when we could book a vacation or when we could like take time off. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a level of like um, schedule that you just don't have on, on in like in this world, um, this like entertainment space. Cause it'll be like, you'll work every day for like, you know, 15 hours a day for like two weeks. And then you won't do anything for four months. And you're like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> And it's also like when we are athletes, like we work really hard and we need our work to speak for itself. But in this other space, it's like, you need to work really hard and you need to have a million ideas and you need to show people those ideas. And you need to be like constantly like putting yourself out there in a way that like as an athlete, we put ourselves out there at competitions that we know we're going to. So it's like, mm -hmm. you can't be, afraid to say what you want 
out loud. And I think this goes for like any sort of job or any career that like you um, go after. But I didn't realize like how closely it meshed with my skating, where it was like, if I wanted to be a national champion or if I wanted to like go to the Olympics, like the first step was just saying that out loud to myself mm-hmm. and to my coaching team. And then, you know, when you say it out loud, you realize, okay, this is what I might need to do and all of that stuff. But the the transition was it, like not easy, even though I was like, I know what I like doing and what I don't like doing. Um, so it, I feel like I'm not making any sense, but I feel like you get what I'm saying. And I'm really, I'm really going with that as I keep just running my mouth, I think into the ground. Um, but no, you're what, good. okay, great. But what I do love is I really love making people laugh. I really love like entertaining people. I love getting people to open up. And so what job is that? I don't know what job that is, but I've been really fortunate and lucky that I've had opportunities that require me to do things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they don't all look the same. Sometimes like when I was at the Olympics um, in Tokyo, I was like hosting uh, a show for Twitter, um, which was great because, you know, the athletes were there by themselves and, you know, they get asked all these questions and they, they come on a show with me and it's like, you know, I just want to talk to Suni Lee about having square tip nails. <laughs> like, so it, they, I could just, I could really help them like open up and have fun and not right. have to answer a serious question. So I was, I was happy that I was able to be part of like their fun experience at an Olympics. Um, and then there's other times where I'll do something where it's like, I, I'm at a round table and we just have to like tell jokes to each other and I can do that. Or there's other times where it's like, I'll get a script of something and, and someone will ask me to do like um, punch-ups on jokes. I'll do stuff like that. So I enjoy all of that stuff. And I've been okay with knowing that like, I don't know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I feel like a lot of skaters and athletes in general who retire from their competitive careers completely relate to it because it's finding your like footstep in a completely different realm that does not have the same structure yes. that skating competitively does with training, with exactly like you said, you know exactly what competitions, you lay out your schedule for the year and you know what's going to get you to where you need to be. That's just not how it works once you move on from skating. Like right. you are essentially entering a black hole with yes. something you think like you think you know what you want but you really have no idea how to get there yes. there's like steps along the way but it's always there's always going to be curveballs there's always going to be things you didn't know you needed that now you have to go get like it's yes it's all over the place and like also i think something that everyone should remember is that like there are moments in time where what we do has a title you know like when we're a skater we're an athlete when someone asks you what you do, I'm a skater, I'm an athlete. When you're in school, I'm in school. And then there are jobs that like also have a title. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. And then there are some times where it's like, maybe you are a doctor, but like you also have an Etsy shop where you sell, you know, earrings that you make. So like, am I a jeweler or am I a doctor? Well, you know, it's like, it's okay to be other things. And this is me trying to tell you I'm a doctor and a jeweler. Wow. Thank you. I would love to see your Etsy shop. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd love to show it to you. I can't guarantee I will buy anything until I see exactly and, um, what type that, of jewelry you have. But. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> so funny. Well, let's talk a tiny bit about Tokyo since you were just there. What was that like being in a media personality role rather than an athlete? Because that's only a four-year gap that you had. Yes. Um, a two, wait. Three. Three. Three year. Yeah. Three year. So going to Tokyo, first time at an Olympic Games that wasn't a winter games and first time going um, as not an athlete. It was um, incredible. And being on the other side, on the media side of things, it was really interesting because to go back to a point I made of like where the Olympics is unlike any other thing, um, it's because it does feel like a bit of a circus. But the reason it feels like that is because when we go to like a world championships, the only focus is the skaters and that event. Mm -hmm. When we go to a nationals, it's the same sort of intensity. But when you go to an Olympics, your event is the marquee event among other marquee events. And the attention is like dispersed between different venues and like people asking you about different sports for the first time. And because it's such a grand and world event, you're asked questions that you wouldn't normally be asked, sometimes about politics, sometimes about um, other skaters and other um, points of view or things that are, you know, are world topics. So it's completely different in that sense. And it was um, a reminder of how different it was um, and how different it is being at um, another Olympics. And especially because I'm like a fish out of water being at a summer games, um, I realized that everyone is in a bikini and actually everyone is hot at the summer games. And I think that's one of the requirements that everyone is hot. Um, I would also wow. say, yes. So um, just remember that. Uh, I will. Thank I think you. I need to go to a summer games. Yeah, it, that. it was it was amazing to see so many sports, which I've never seen in person before. Um, it was amazing how, um, you know, when people say they've never seen skating in person before and then they see it done at an elite level and they go, that was so different. It was absolutely the same experience of, you know, being at a gymnastics venue, being at a swimming venue, being at track and field. Um, when you just see it done at the highest level, it is, uh, you are beside yourself with like how impressive these athletes are. Um, and the other thing is like, you realize um, that this is the moment people have worked for and they're living in this like this wonderful and um, at times volatile experience of being at an Olympics and um, getting the chance to be there and um, in the capacity that I was there for having a chance for them to like enjoy that experience more where they don't need to really give these motivational answers and they didn't need to like, you know, be on their game and just letting them be able to relax. Um, mm -hmm. Show personality. So, yes. I was so happy to be able to do that so that like when they walk away from that, they can go, oh, that, you know, I had, I had fun at that interview or I had fun in this space because for a lot of the athletes, it's, they get there, they have their event. Um, they go through this like media circle and they're on a plane the next day because of the uh, coronavirus. 
So the experience is very fast. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not in the same kind, it's not the same kind of experience we might've had where we get to stay and we get to have McDonald's and we need to, we get to, yeah. you know, meet everyone. Um, so getting to be there in that capacity, um, I was, I didn't know what to expect, but I'm so grateful. And I, I was so happy to be there and, and, you know, get to meet so many incredible people and also be able to like, kind of, you know, help them and remind them like how impressive what they've just achieved is and was definitely the olympics are so so special i really liked how you said this is a crazy moment for all of the athletes careers and the fact that you got to be there and share in that moment with them is so cool so absolutely amazing I mean, it was, it really was. And to see so many things that I've never seen in person, in person, like gymnastics is unhinged. It it is truly the most wild thing I've ever seen live. It's crazy. I know. I saw the 2016 trials because they were in San Jose. Yes. So I watched them with my, I didn't take my mom. I took my best friend's mom because she used (laughs) to be a gymnastics coach. (laughs) She you was needed to go with an expert. Coach. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she was like from Siberia and she sat with me and it was actually amazing because she could describe all of what was happening. And then yes. when they were announcing the teams, I had no idea, you know, which girls were, I mean, I knew which girls were getting picked, but I didn't know if it was controversial or not. Like I didn't right. know anything, but she was sitting there and she's like, hmm, interesting. And I was yeah, it was crazy. Because it's it, the thing with gymnastics that's interesting is that, like, you know, there's like, um, there are specialist roles and things like that where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, um, I mean, if we look at the, I'm basically like, I, it's funny because I feel like I know so much more now because I did so much homework before I left so that I knew what would, what I was looking at and things like that. And having mm-hmm. been there now, I, I feel like, it just feels like my first language now, but it's, um, <laughs> it's just interesting because like, um, the team element to, to gymnastics is, uh, I, I mean, it's obviously totally different than figure skating. Cause there's four in, in women's it's four apparatus, which basically each apparatus is like its own sport. So, yeah. you know, you'll have a few all arounders, you'll have people who are consistent, and then you'll have people who are just specialists to just boost that score and then hopefully make it to an event final. You know, there's just, there are more medal opportunities and it's a different ball game. So, you know, when you do like at like a US trials for gymnastics, it's not uncommon that like one and two are on the team and then like seven is also on the team and you're like, huh? <laughs> but it's not controversial. It's, it's like everyone knew that was gonna happen. No, exactly. It's, it's such a cool sport. I have so much respect for gymnasts. Yes. I I was in the, I was like in the gymnastics arena often because it was one of the venues I requested to have like access to. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like in my like bubble. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, but also like rhythmic gymnastics was like unbelievable to see in person. It is the one that like the level of skill and coordination is unreal it was unreal it was like one of the best moments of the olympics for me was like getting to see the rhythmic gymnastics that is so amazing i know i feel like rhythmic gymnastics doesn't quite get the same level of attention as um 
artistic gymnastics, which I only knew it was called artistic gymnastics, this games. I found that out, I'll be honest, two weeks ago. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's so nuts. Oh, the Olympics. I'm so excited for the next one, which is in half a year. Ooh. Ooh. I know that is wild to me Um, because one, it's wild that like, we're going to have this Olympics in six months from now. Um, And then aside from that, I think what's wild is that I think we're going to have another COVID Olympic experience, even plus um, from what I know and from what I've heard the the measures are going to be more extreme um, to make sure that all of the athletes are safe. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be a completely different experience. So I don't know what kind of media will go over there, but I think they're going to limit it very extensively. Um, and I think uh, th- they're going to try to have the best possible games that they can have, but they want it to be safe. I mean, we're still in a pandemic mm-hmm. um, and it's just figuring out how to have these events, which I think is so great and so um, helpful for so many of us who are now, you know, now as a viewer, just to see an Olympics and to see something that fe- like that's going on right now, it's inspirational. And it's nice to have that after like a year and a half of like thinking like, oh my God, nothing is going to go back to normal. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's slowly, but I'm grateful for another Olympics. It'll be interesting to watch it again with a limited audience, if any. Um, But I'm, I'm really happy for the athletes that they can have this experience because it would have been devastating if, you know, to lose a whole generation of athletes. Absolutely. It's crazy talking about the Olympics with different, Olympic skaters, we've discussed how it is such a combination of both hard work, absolutely, but timing and luck. Luck being that you peak during an Olympic year. There's so many, there's so many athletes that do amazing the year after, the year before, but the year of something goes wrong. So to have the Olympics be normal, like have it be on time is so important for athletics just because everybody is like that's what they're working for even putting it one year off who knows what's going to happen in a year i mean i know that when i was young and i first started skating i was like 10 years old it's like 2000 i looked at a like at like a calendar was like 2010 2014 those are the years obviously never went to either of those games so i was wrong but i looked and I, but i was like my whole life re- revolved around those dates yeah so it's like it's not just like oh it's moving a year it's like your whole world has completely shifted yeah it's it's crazy so i'm i'm happy that they're still planning to put it on and even even with restrictions you know it's it's a different experience for sure than I guess a quote-unquote normal Olympics that don't happen in pandemics but it is still a hundred percent worth it to have one and have athletes be able to go compete 100 percent and I think that like if you ask any athlete if they would like like to if would they want to go I think any athlete would go I would do anything to be there so I'm so grateful for them that they get to have like this experience me too you're doing choreography for some top skaters how do you come up Ooh, la, la. With is this are you asking me to do your long program next year <sighs> yeah, actually yeah um, i'm thinking of a 
I'm thinking of a four minute long exhibition program. Yes. Um, My no specialty. Dunks. Yeah. No. Maybe a course. double axle and a triple loop thrown in. <laughs> Mostly twizzle passes, actually. <laughs> Which actually eat up a lot of time. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'll have you pick the music. Thank you. And the costuming. Okay. <laughs> your vision. Um, I'm down. Okay. Thank you. Anyways. So what was the question? Because I talked over <laughs> you. I'm so sorry. You're good. My question was, how do you come up with your choreography ideas for skaters? And what is it like working with different personalities and different dance abilities on ice? Um, I think um, skaters who come to me asking for choreography come to me for, for uh, a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they come to me because um, in my own skating, especially in the last few years, I just skated to music that I liked. And it wasn't what was like normally out there or like what was normally heard in a rink. Um, but I, I enjoyed what I did and it, I liked being a little bit different. And um, I think like when athletes come to me, like they want to do something different. So I try to um, think first what um, who I'm working with would would um, skate really well to. I mean, so here, let's just, I'll be like straight up with you about everything. Mm-hmm. When I work with like a little kid, right? Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the younger skaters, I'm like, what's your favorite song? Right. And they tell me what their favorite song is. And if like, you know, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. I they, like, I'll, I'll be straight up. But if it's like, I think I can get an edit together and they like it. I, I always try to just do something that they really like and I'll make mm-hmm. it work for them. Um, because I think if you're young and you feel involved in that creative process, you then as a young person feel like I am creative. And mm-hmm. I think like, you know, it took me a while as an athlete myself to be like, oh, I'm good at picking music. Cause I had coaches be like, no, you're doing this, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. So there was a part of me where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not, maybe I have bad ideas. Um, but then when I could choose my own music, maybe they were bad ideas. <laughs> they probably were bad ideas. I, but when I got older, I chose my own music and whether everybody liked it or not, I performed to it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a young kid, I try to do something like that. Um, yeah. so for the last few years, I've done, uh, choreography for, um, Mariah Bell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this year I did uh, choreography for Mariah. And then my other like national level skaters were Danny O'Shea and Chelsea Liu. So mm-hmm. I did a pair team this year, which was, um, I'd never done, um, I never worked with like a couple before. Yeah. Different totes diff um (laughs) but so like you know I approached the two like I approached both scenarios in the same way where I was like what do you want to do um and for Mariah because I had worked with her for a few years now um you know our approach was different we could look back and we could look at like what have you enjoyed doing that we've done and um I always knew that like, I liked when other people, like I, I always liked if I was working with someone new, it felt like refreshing. And so I always encouraged her that like, if you want to work with someone else, like go do it. Like I'm like rah, rah, hurrah for whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she was like, no, I really want us to do something together. I was always like, let's bring someone else in because, um, you know, I don't skate all the time. And I 
just want to make sure that what I'm doing isn't um, what I feel comfortable doing on the ice. I want to make sure that it's, you know, what, what Mariah might be comfortable doing and, or like what's different and think outside of the box. And I always felt it was easier to like collab with someone and build and build on an idea, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I've enjoyed working with like the older kids because uh, that's what you get to do. Like they have more of a say in what they're doing. Um, And so like with Danny and Chelsea, it was like, we found something that they both liked. They wanted to, like, I was like, how did did they want to feel? So we found something that they enjoyed skating to together. And um, with them, it was super collaborative because I, so much of pair skating is little things and twists and transitions that they do together. So I would watch them and I would be like, is there a possible way that like she comes around you like this or goes around you like that? And so because they're both really good skaters, they would show me this and show me that. And I'd be like, I like that, but can you like do different arms here? So it was, I obviously could not take like a pair skater and was like, start from scratch with us because (laughs) I would still be at the rink trying to learn pairs. Um, But it was, uh, it was great. So basically I just, I feel like I'm more of like a godmother when I get to the rink. I find things that like are feel a little bit out of the box that they feel really excited about. And um, I work like with them to help them get something together that like I think they'll feel like they're really cool. That's what I want. That's all that I want. I love that. I think... It's it's so interesting working with choreography. I've done a little bit of choreography for skaters, both doing like show things, which are really fun for me because it's character skating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did some choreography for some younger level skaters in Mexico last year, actually. And like you were saying, to have a kid skate to music that they really like makes them more excited on the ice. And I choreographed a program to Chandelier by Sia. Great. And I'm sick. Yeah. And of course we had to add the actual choreography that Maddie Ziegler does into the program. You have no choice. You're legally bound. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, she's doing it before I even tell her to do it, which is awesome (laughs) because she's just so excited about it. Um, Adding in a little TikTok dance at the very beginning of the program. Wow. Kids eyes just light up. I love it. No, it's great. I mean, and that's the thing. It's just like you find things that they enjoy doing and find movements that they like. And, um, and that's how it all begins, especially when you're young, like when you're young, like it has to be something that you enjoy. It has to be a few things in there that like push and challenge you. But at the end of the day, when they walk away, they feel like I, this is really cool. And I'm, I, and I helped because that's, I think really important. Exactly. Do you think that choreography is something that you want to keep doing for uh, more and more top skaters? Um, I think that I'll do it as if someone asks mm-hmm. um, and or if somebody wants like help or whatever. I'm so open to that. I don't know if it's something that like I'm I'll ever like pursue full time yeah. um, because uh, yeah, I don't know if it's just something I'll pursue full time. I think there's some incredible choreographers out there and I think there's some incredible skaters out there that do such great work so there's no lack of uh great stuff that's available or that's going to be created 
Um, mm -hmm. I know that like I enjoy it and um, because it's not something I do all the time, it's a great like outlet um, to get my body moving and like think creatively in that sense. Um, so I enjoy it in that way. Um, but you know, it's, I don't get to a rink consistently. I don't, it's hard for me to like find time to really like be reliable as like somebody who can like work with somebody all the time. So I don't know if like, it's something I'll keep doing, but if there are people that ask like, yes, I'll, I'll do something. I'll help. I love, you know, skating is like my first love. So obviously I'd like to do anything to like, you know, stay in touch with it. Definitely. Well, what do you think about current skating today? The direction that it's been mm -hmm. going. Um, and since it's the Olympic season, who do you have your eye on? Okay, Paulina, I thought you'd never ask. Wow. So let's talk skating. Let's talk men first. <clears throat> okay. So this is what I think about men's skating. I think um, in 2014 and 2018, what we saw was the beginning of this like, um, it was sort of the answer to like 2010, okay? Mm -hmm. So like in 2010, what was scored the best was a clean program. And then there was this sort of like, okay, if we're, our focus is clean program, are we like losing people who are trying harder things? And that's sort of like the Lysacek Plashenko of it all, right? Mm -hmm. So like Plashenko lands a quad, should be in theory like higher than Evan, but Evan does everything to a higher quality. So mm -hmm. quality is winning out versus quantity. So then right. there's this sort of like adjustment period of like, maybe we should try to like value people trying things um, so that like if they mess up, they're not out at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So what happens with that is that like the programs sometimes get messier because now people are trying like harder things. So I think like in men's skating from like 2014, um, from like 2010 to 2014, programs got a little messier. And then from 2014 to 2018, they also got a little bit messier. But like, let's look at what was happening. We had like Yuzuru Hanyu come and really like step into the picture not only doing like one quad, but doing two quads. And this was right after Patrick Chan started landing consistent quads in a short and a free skate. So like that became like a bare minimum. All of a sudden, like from 2010 to 2014, the technical like base of what you had to do to be on top was so different. Mm -hmm. um, then from this like 2014 to 2018, what happens is like, um, I think the quality of what like elements that Yuzuru Hanyu does um, are so masterful that um, it makes me have a headache because to have to like do transitions like that into a triple axel and then to like land it into a twizzle or to like do a quad sow cow out of a spread eagle into a spread eagle. It's just like I could weep at the amount of like joy and like serotonin it pumps into my veins. Um, so you have a, a skater like that. And then you have a skater like Nathan Chen, who like from this 2014 to 2018 period is like, now Nathan is like changing the game. Kind of, I feel like started with like Bo Yang Jin from China where it's like, oh, a quad Lutz isn't sort of like a dream. It's people are doing it. And not only that, like people are doing quad flip, 
-hmm. and like the standard of like what you're seeing is changing. And so like people are trying this stuff as well. And sometimes it was like, if you tried it, you still did well. So it was more of an advantage to fall two or three times, um, get the base value. And then like you somehow like find yourself in the mix rather than to like be clean. Um, that's a, uh, definitely an overgeneralization. But I think like what we're seeing now in men's is that the technical level was raised. And now we're at this different base of like what, what is like the, the world level I'm gonna medal at an Olympics standard. And because we're at this level, what's gonna win is like, I'm gonna perfect what I do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why when you see like a short, like when you see someone in like Yuzuru like is perfect and he lands everything, everything is like at perfect quality. Yeah. It's, that's the high, the highest standard. When you see like Nathan skate the free program that he had at the world championships where everything is done with like such confidence where it feels like each element is like snippets of the best version he ever could have done at practice. It's masterful, but we see where he's, what, like, what he's played with, he's not trying six quads anymore. He's realized that like, that's not, the game isn't just throw it out there. It's do it perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and this young Japanese boy who was second at Worlds, you see like what he's out there, like the young generation knows like, I need to do this and I need to do it perfectly. So I think we're gonna see some of the best performances in the men's event because of this like standard of like what you need to do it needs to be done and it needs to be done at this really high level um i think that uh nathan chen has a lot of momentum behind him um the performance he had at the world championships was unreal um i think uh yuzuru hanyu the thing about yuzuru is that he has won and not won world championships before but like we've said, Olympics is a circus. It's a different kind of beast. So what Yuzuru has under his belt is that every time he's gone to an Olympics, he's won. So that's a huge advantage, no matter what we've seen in the last few years, because everything changes when they get to Beijing. Um, so, you know, Nathan, I, I think... Uh, in my mind, I think Nathan is the, the gold medalist and the gold medal favorite um, based on the consistency and the quality that we've seen. Um, and I think in, in, that, uh, in those other medal contention spots, I think obviously I just think like Yuzuru, he's up there. It's in Olympics. Like this is, we're on his turf now. Um, never should count him out of anything. And I think like he's going to be putting fire on anyone. And I think he wants it so badly. Um, and to see someone become a three-time Olympic champion would just be bonkers. Um, and I think like other medalists, I think uh, uh, Yama from Japan, just incredible performance at Worlds. Um, Kolyada from Russia, I think had like maybe the best free program so of this good. season. I mean, unbelievable. I've always been a fan of his like technique and like skating quality, but mm -hmm. um, that free program was like, I think one of the most gorgeous skates I've ever seen with my own two human eyes. 
Um, it was so, so stunning. I, I'm, I, in my, I think my dream podium would be uh, Nathan Yuzuru uh, Kolyada. Um, so that's, that would be my dream podium, but I do think there's a lot of people in that, in that mix. Okay. <clears throat> ladies skating. <laughs> so here's the thing about ladies skating. I think, um, right now we can say that, uh, the favorite for a medal sweep is the Russian team. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no question about it. Uh, what Russians will we see there is the question. Because I think um, seeing who they have and the roster of people that they have, um, they swept the medals at the last World Championships. I don't think anyone would be surprised if they sent three completely different skaters and they also swept the medals at the Olympic Games. That's how like deep that team is. Mm-hmm. They are not going to give an inch. Um, Camilla. I think that um, for me, I think Camilla is the gold medal favorite. Uh, I've mm-hmm. never seen anyone on planet Earth do jumps so effortlessly. Um, the triple axel, uh, the quad toe um, with the extension. I mean, un believable to me that is unbelievable to me um i will die on the hill of kostranaya because i think that she is probably the most beautiful skater i've ever seen i saw her skate at finlandia trophy one year and mm-hmm. i remember being like I, I the the vibe that i got was like oh my god this was like me getting to like skate with unicam like i was like this oh. girl is just there's she's like she's got it whatever it is. And right now it is purple hair. So she has that. Um, <laughs> but she, that, that she has it. So, but for her, it's just like that team is so deep. It depends. Like, I think she could medal at an Olympics, but will she make it the Russian Olympic team is another story. You know, it depends on what she does. Uh, she's, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, um, world champion. Uh, what is her name? Oh my God. Sherbakova. Sherbakova. I'm actually, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Anna Sherbakova. I'm mentally unwell for not being able to remember that. It's okay. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. So Sherbakova, Mm -hmm. I think what she brings to the table is absolute consistency. She um, is just incredible. I think uh, Mm -hmm. the, the way that like, you know, she knew that she had a world title to win or lose. She went in, she did everything she could. Um, incredible. I think she's, uh, really, really fantastic. And if, I think my podium of what I, who, who I think will be on that team, I think we're looking at a Camilla gold medalist. I think my dream would be, uh, a Kostranaya silver. And I think we're looking at a Sherbakova bronze medal. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I like the prediction. What do you think? It's really hard and early to tell, I think, especially when it comes, like you were saying, to the Russian team. Um, It's also interesting to see whether or not the judges are going to want a Russian medal sweep or if they're going to want, you know, one of the amazing Japanese skaters, one of our amazing U.S. skaters. Like, who knows? knows I think um, we're at the point where it's 
not what the judges want. It's just what's going to happen. Because yeah, I think um, it, I think when you look at somebody like uh, Trusova, you see mm-hmm. her kind of in that mindset of like the men of that eight year range of like, I'm going to yeah. just throw it out there and see what happens. And at some competitions, she throws it out there. She's not landing everything, but she it's so far and above what everyone else is doing that it wins. Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it, it, it doesn't. But like the standard of what you need to do just to leave, to go on an international competition is so completely different that the mm-hmm. whole world is catching, is playing catch up. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if, if we look at like um, the, like the United States, um, and, you know, I think what the United States and other girls from around the world bring is like a, um, a, a real woman skating. Yeah, it's like real. Skating. It's it's women's skating. I think Kostranaya brings that to the table as well. And I think Sherbakova is like kind of stepping into that role. She's not a little girl anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So there are other women coming, but it's like when you go to a U.S. Nationals, it's like you're watching women in their twenties. You're watching a few a few teenagers, but you're watching like the top women are, you know, in their twenties. They're they're women. They're skating with power. They're, you know, it's. It, I love watching that kind of skating. Um, mm-hmm. but the powerhouse that is Russia is like, you have to be doing a quad. You need a triple axle. And, and I think when you look at other countries, like the other countries might have one skater that does that. Mm-hmm. So that skater is like already competing at a different like mindset of like, oh, I know I can do it. But if you're at a competition and everyone is doing it, it's like, that doesn't matter if you can do it or not. Yeah. So it's just, it's, a- Yeah. It's pushing, it's pushing the sport in a completely new direction in terms of what's going to be required for, like you said, internationally, like technically, Yes. whether or not all the skaters are going to start doing it. And then it's going to be quality like the men, but we're in that really rough early stage right now. Because we're just seeing what the women are capable of. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think not even what are the women capable of, we're seeing like the, the women who are competing now, we're seeing like them figuring out what's my best version of me at this competition. Because still right now it's like, I, you know, maybe it's me doing all of this, or maybe it's not me doing this. So it's, they're finding a balance. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, but it's really interesting to watch. And the, and t- the crazy part about them finding their balance is that they need to find it so much faster because they're competing in this like a group of five girls that need, that need to have their moment immediately. So mm-hmm. it's, we're going to see really great performances also in ladies. Um, but I, I think that there's no way around uh, a Russian metal sweep and the I mean the athletes deserve it like the way the the way that they've all like just knocked it out of the park they Mm -hmm. phenomenal yeah what well like what is your personal preference in terms of if you were a judge and you were allowed to award skater at worlds or olympics or whatever competition is something that you value more what the russian girls are doing like the jumps over most of the other part of the program or are you more like what the other countries are bringing in terms of like womanly skating? Okay. So if we're talking about like favorite skaters, 
Mm -hmm. um, like in women's, uh, like I said, Kostranaya Hill I'll Die On. One of the mm -hmm. most fantastic uh, skaters I've ever seen in person. Um, incredible basics, like excellent skating, um, in power, transitions, um, movement. That, that for me, that, that's, that's it. That's the skating. And there's some sort of like maturity to it as well. Even if she um, is young when I saw her, there was a level of maturity to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, when you watch someone like Camilla, you're watching somebody who like uh, still come for me, comes off as young. Um, yeah. th that, you know, I, hun, I wish I was young. I'm going to the doctor to look young, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can do now to be young. Um, so like, you know, when we, when I watch that, I'm like watching somebody who is young mm -hmm. and I, would prefer to watch somebody who is like a, a, an adult person, like mm -hmm. in, in their, uh, like, you know, like really mature. Yeah. Um, with that said, Camilla skates with such like mastery. What she does is I think stunning jumps. Like I said, like, dang, those are beautiful. They're yeah. exquisite. Um, but I think the skating quality isn't like, uh, the, the mastery level. It's sort of like, you know, like Coaster and I had more time on the ice cause she's older and it's mm -hmm. just like the, the natural the, progression. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and I think that like, um, that's what I, that's what I prefer. Mm -hmm. Um, I prefer to watch like, um, somebody who has a little bit more sense of what they're doing. Um, and I don't want this to sound like, I don't think she, like Camilla does. I think, I think she does, but, um, and I think that if she were to skate clean at an Olympics that it would win. Um, but I, in, to button up my point is that I think <laughs> that like, if she were to skate really well, I think that she would skate even better in four years because she has this like incredible yeah. level of technique, but like, I would really love, to, I, you know, her as a, as a specific skater, I would really love to see, cause she has all of the qualities to be somebody who I would go Google. Yeah. Google. Just have it developed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think I have a super similar viewpoint on that type of thing. And like to be super specific, me about to word vomit. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, favorite performances from the 2018 games that you were at was Caitlin Osmond actually yeah. oh, who got yeah. the bronze behind um, Alina and Jenya who also had terrific skates but I really felt something from Caitlin's performance and that's something that comes with experience and developing your artistry and time at the right. end of the day I mean if we yeah. go back to like the tw that that specific event um, I don't see it like r right now. I don't remember exactly how Caitlin skated and if she had like a, a mistake or something. I just know that like her skating overall was my favorite to see of the medalists. And mm -hmm. what I mean is like she was so fast. Her jumps were so powerful. Um, and then when we get to like the silver gold of it all, um, my preference was Medvedeva. Um, I think that there was um, a maturity to it there was mm -hmm. a feeling there was like she was winning and I mean the feeling is like an aura that someone gives off 
She was a multiple time world champion. She mm-hmm. had a moment to step into that she absolutely did. And it was phenomenal. Um, and I think like what um, Zagitova did was great, but I don't think that it was any harder than what Medvedeva did. And um, I think that Zagitova should be rewarded um, for like what she did as, as a medalist. But my, my preference um, was Medvedeva, but Zagitova played the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like she knew that like, if what I'm doing is the same as everyone else, and what I mean is like jump wise, like there's no quad or triple axel in this factor. Um, the only, like the way that I get a technical advantage is if I get a bonus on all of these things. So that's the game. She played mm-hmm. the game. But what did I prefer watching? I preferred watching Yevgenia and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited to see this upcoming season, who plays the game best at the end of the day. Um, yes. But also just whoever has the most touching performance, regardless of placement, like you were saying, um, seeing somebody have their moment, regardless of anything that comes after, is the most special part of any event you go to. So I'm really excited to see who shines this season. I think a lot of people are going to have great performances because I just think that like people are so ready for this. Uh, They're so um, prepared. I think they've seen the summer games. They're hot off the tail of the summer games. They're ready to go. Exactly. Well, my last question for you is this. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. So at the time 100 gala in 2019, you Mm -hmm. honored your mom, Kelly. Shout out, Kelly. Hey, Kel. For her dedication and support to your success, can you speak a little bit about the importance of a good support system in sports? Yeah. Um, I would say that, like, one, you probably know yourself. Um, I mean, you know even better than I do of uh, how helpful it can be to have a parent involved. Um, When I listened to your podcast and listened to your episode with your mom, I was really impressed how your mom would coach you at the rink and then say, I want you to have friends over. And it like, that's when it all, it ended at, like what was happening at the rink ended at the rink. Um, That balance is so important that like, you know, your parent can be there to help you and motivate you, but like it needs to not feel like it's that, like how they feel about you as a, son or daughter or child um, isn't tied into like how you're doing on the ice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you probably also know this as well, is that like, as you get older, your relationship with your parent has to change. Um, And skating is one of those interesting things where it's like when you're young, the parent has to make the decisions. And um, in some cases, like in my case, my mom wasn't a skater. She didn't know if she was making the right choices, but she had to be like, you know, do her own research and do all of this. And then there comes a time where it's like you become the expert and the parent isn't Um, where the parent has to like trust that you're making a decision that's good. And and you need to trust yourself that you're making a good decision. Um, So you need to be open to like that relationship changing, but to have somebody there that it's like unconditional that, that they are, they are on your side is invaluable. I definitely couldn't agree more. It's and crazy. I'm, it is so crazy, as you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Well, thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate all of the insight that you gave, and I'm sure all the followers and the listeners of this podcast will as well. Well, Paulina, thank you so much for having me. I've loved chatting. I love chatting, skating, any chance I get. Um, And uh, I can't wait to listen to this episode and every episode that comes after because I'm a Paulina Edmonds stan forever. Wow. That means so much, Adam. Thank you. (laughs) My my pleasure. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please leave me a comment, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And please DM me if you have any requests for my podcast, any interview requests, or if you yourself would like to come on and you have a fun skating story that you'd like to share. I'm always looking for new voices to feature, so please reach out to me. And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes I release every Tuesday, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.